welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. I'm going to get right into it today because I have a packed episode. I have a double header or this sort of meeting of the minds, if you will, that I've assembled because I am so caught up in the topic of influencers right now. It's just, it's consuming me. So I'm going to give you the menu for today's episode and there'll be timestamps in the episode description for all of that. So if there are things that you're drawn to, you can skip to that. If there are things that you don't want to hear, you can skip it. You, you, you get the point. I have two guests today. My first guest is Meredith Lynch, and I found her on TikTok because last week on the Patreon, we did a whole deep dive on diet culture and on these People Magazine, what I eat in a day, celebrity recounts of their diets that have kind of been terrorizing us for the last 20 years, or some of us at least. And we talked about how diet culture has evolved and disguise itself under the guise of health. And Meredith Lynch makes all kinds of videos about that on TikTok and also has a whole interesting line of commentary that she's made about tanks. And so I had to pick her brain about everything. Then I have this incredible interview with Sophie Gray, who I've been wanting to talk to for what feels like forever now. She she was an influencer before influencer was even a term. She was online back in 2013. She's been online ever since as this public figure, but she's gone through every evolution of how you could possibly present yourself online. She started off as a fitness influencer who is posting workout videos and, and bikini pics and all that stuff that was so popular in 2013. It's still somewhat popular now, although it's definitely on its way out, people are pretty sick of it at this point. But this was her claim to fame. At one point, she had almost half a million Instagram followers, and then she completely crashed and completely changed everything about her brand, lost hundreds of thousands of followers in the process, and rose from the ashes. And now is this amazing entrepreneur. She has a mental health app called Dive Through. I've actually been using Dive Through for the last couple of months to deal with the stress of my life, of figuring out how to start a podcast, of the baseline of anxiety that I have as a stressy, depressy kind of gal. And it's been so good. We'll talk more about it in our interview, but I encourage you to check it out. It's so simple and straightforward and great. You can go really in depth with it. And for people like me that have a a very short attention span. It's also perfect because it gives you the option of doing these little bite-sized, very simple three-step check-ins that you can do daily for calming yourself down for your mental health. So, So before we get into the topic at hand today, you probably know what I'm going to ask you at this point. If you have been listening to the podcast and you want to support it, I would love and appreciate a five-star review. If you could download the episodes, if you're enjoying them, share them with a friend, spread the love around. And I really love making this thing. I really love talking to you all and I want to grow it. So, but you're supporting it just by listening. And so thanks for being here and hanging out. And a note about the Patreon this week. So 
this week on Wednesday, I'm going to have some bonus content from my interviews with Meredith and Sophie. I'm going to be getting into some more influencer controversy. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Danielle Bernstein of We Wore What?, She's just a pro scammer. She's basically known for stealing designs from smaller designers. And she recently came out with a credit card. She's selling her own personal credit card. And I'm going to get into her history. I'm going to get into a bit of Ariel Charnas, who's another influencer who just has danced with controversy so heavily over her career. And I also have a bonus episode coming out on Saturday. This episode is not for everyone. (laughs) You'll understand why. So I did my interview with Meredith and afterwards we started talking and we're both members of the Dead Mom Club. It's a really shitty club to be part of, but it's really nice when you meet someone who you can connect over this really weird experience. And for people like us, this is a really shit time of year. It's Mother's Day. And, you know, for me, it's also because I'm Jewish. It's the holidays. It's Passover. So it's just it's it's a bumpy road. You need all hands on deck and you need support. And we are going to do a special episode all about basically what it's like being in the Dead Moms Club before Mother's Day. And it's going to come out on Saturday because Mother's Day is on Sunday. And it's for anyone who has lived through this experience or is close to someone who has lived through it and wants to get a better understanding of it. Or you could send it to someone who maybe isn't a listener of the pod, but would like some support. We're both very much people that deal with this sort of thing with humor. I have no problem talking about my experience, but I know that I make a lot of jokes. I have very dark humor around the whole thing and I don't want to make people uncomfortable. So I'm careful about rolling it out. But Meredith is someone who is so real and raw, but also funny about the way that she gets into everything. And I'm the same way. So as much as it's going to be a serious episode, we're going to be giggling a lot and talking about our past and laughing at our traumas. So that's a very special episode. You know, as my very British dad would say, for those who like that sort of thing, that's the sort of thing they like. Uh, (laughs) um, but that aside, I'm going to switch gears and talk about today's episode, which is of a very different tune. So I'm going to get into my first interview, but I'm going to give a very brief overview of the who, what, where, and why of Tinks. And if you are, if you already know the basic rundown, you can skip ahead. But I, I, I want to give a background because I talked about this online and people had a lot of thoughts and a lot of people were like, who the fuck are you talking about? So Tinks, whose real name is Christina Najar, has risen to fame. She's one of the first TikTokers who's truly parlayed her fame into very mainstream success. There's sort of your Gen Z dance kids that are that now have you know shows and movies but she's different she's started off I think when she was 29 she's now 31 and in the span of two years she managed to gain over a million followers on TikTok but also get this huge podcast you could order an order at Chipotle under her name she had a smoothie at this fancy grocery store called Erewhon uh, she's on the Drew Barrymore show, hanging out with Gwyneth Paltrow. You get the idea, hanging out with the A-listers. And she built her following off of this interesting mix of relatability and down to earth with 
aspirational content. So she was, she would, you know, kind of make fun of herself and make silly content, but then also had this fabulous life in LA. And, and even when she said that she was just living in a studio apartment, she was still wearing designer clothes, going to get these $50 lunches every day, documenting all of it, would fly out to her parents' apartment that they kept in Tribeca, which they kept as a place where they could all meet in between her and their house in London. You know, it just was living a very fabulous life. And a lot of people were drawn to both elements of it, me included, at a point. And I'll get into all that with my interview with Meredith. All of that came crumbling in the last, I want to say week or two. She had a whole bunch of tweets unearthed from 10 years ago and two years ago. And they run the gamut of fat phobic, calling these people fat, you know, making fun of them from 10 years ago. And then some from two years ago, calling a journalist's wife ugly, uh, retweeting these super conservative conspiracy theories, retweeting the Trump son's tweets. It was uh, not (laughs) a great look for someone who's really been building their brand off of being this kind, authentic, honest, body positive, big sister. And also someone who build themselves as a Democrat. You know, people have been saying, oh, you're allowed to be Republican. Okay, well, you sure are allowed to be part of whatever, whatever political party you want. But she was out there meeting with Dr. Fauci, doing work with the Biden administration, even at one point tweeting about Bernie, like feel the burn. And so leading everyone to believe that she was quite liberal and progressive. Turns out that's not the case. She vaguely half apologized for some of that and still hasn't really addressed all the pro-conservative Republican content and shaming people's looks from two years ago. There was a brief glossing over and a claim that she was scared and sad two years ago. Uh, I know we all were. I know I didn't retweet any Trump tweets in my fear. Uh, If that was any of your reaction to the fear, let me know. No, but you know, all jokes aside, it's interesting because people have such strong thoughts about so-called cancel culture. People are saying, let people grow and don't jump on this mob mentality and everything. And then there's just holding people accountable. Ultimately, I'm going to get into everything about Tinks. She will be just fine. She will come out of this, I think, stronger in the end. We can check back in six months to a year, but I think her brand will be even stronger in uh, about a year from now because that's how these things work. That's how the media cycle works. That's how, I guess, people's memory and level of forgiveness for these types of things work. I'm here to analyze all of it, and I'm sure you guys know that I'm coming from the perspective of someone who is here to observe. I'm not here to disparage and get into joining the mob, but I am here to break it down and ask for some level of accountability for people that present a very strong image in one way, and then turns out they're very much another way. You can build your whole brand off of being a bitch or being conservative. If let's say Ann Coulter tweeted these things, no one would bat an eyelash. It's a very extreme example, but you have influencers and you have public figures who their whole persona is they're brash and they say things out of pocket and they're rude. And sometimes they'll get in trouble, but generally people know that's their thing. So it's really about the discrepancy between who she claimed to be and turns out who she 
actually is. So we'll get into all of that. So we'll get into all of that first with my interview with Meredith, and then we'll hear from Sophie and hear about what her journey was like and what was going on in her mind when she was living the so-called dream as this fitness influencer, and she'll tell you all about it. And so that's about enough for me. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right. And we're back with Meredith Lynch from TikTok, from the world of internet commentary. Meredith, I'm so excited you agreed to stop everything and sit down with me last minute. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying off mic, this feels like an influencer emergency to me. And I say that sort of in a tongue in cheek way, but I think we're so fascinated by all this controversy that's going on in the world of influencers. How did you get started talking about influencers online? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I started on TikTok as like a makeup sort of person. I put up a video about foundation and it went kind of viral. And so then I started doing foundation. But I have always been a celebrity person. I have always, like, since I was a little Meredith, I was obsessed with like the Inquirer, People Magazine. Us Weekly, like I always loved celebrities. And I think the thing that's happening is the culture of celebrity is changing in such a way. Influencers are kind of becoming our celebrities, right? Reality TV became our celebrities. Now influencers are becoming our celebrities. And so I think it's fascinating to look at it, right? And I think there's a lot to unpack. And I think that, I think people are having the conversation, but a lot of it is like, why do you care? And it's like, well, because they're controlling the narrative of capitalism. Yeah, babe, why do you why do you, why do you care that I care? This is what interests me. Well, yeah, that's a good <laughs> this yeah. really though. Nobody cares about liking pro sports. No one cares about liking video games. Those things are totally valid, but so is my and your interest in celebrity culture. So we're just out here doing analysis. And on that note, I just want to say to all the listeners, we're going to be talking about these specific examples. We're going to be getting into the tinks of it all. We're coming from the point of analysis. I think you guys know that if you've been listening for a bit or if you're new here, hopefully you'll hear that from what we have to say, but we're not here to attack anyone. We're not here to rip anyone apart, but we're here to look at this very public unraveling situation and everyone that we're talking about too will be just fine. We won't be impacting them negatively. I have so many thoughts on it. And I know you do too. But when I heard you getting into everything online, I was like, yes, you were, you were taking everything that I was thinking and taking it further. I don't know if that's a good thing. No. (laughs) As I scream into the void in my car, I'm like pulling over to the side of the road. I need to record this response to like one Tink's commenter. Like, yes, but I know what you mean. All all (laughs) I do is scream into the void on the podcast, on the Patreon, on, you know, like that's, we're here to get obsessive, but I get obsessed and I go down these rabbit holes, but I'm, I'm so especially interested by all this controversy with tanks because it's so close to home where mm-hmm. we're similar ages. We're online. Our content isn't crazily different. We're these white ladies in this space, like navigating it. And I happen to have followed tanks in early 2020. So I remember I actually followed her very randomly before she had 10,000 followers. Followers. I remember commenting on one of her early posts and saying like, this is a really underrated account. And she liked it. And I was like, this is my peak internet 
Yes, like I have her eyes. Yeah, yeah. This is Somebody this is five thousand followers. Like, yeah, yeah. This is my claim to fame, and I'll ride this out forever. Yeah. How did you discover Tinks in the first place? How long have you been following her or influenced by okay, her? So, <laughs> I have been kind of an off and on Tinks fan, only because I think one thing that is important to me on the app, and I tell people this all the time, is like you have to protect your energy. And sometimes I would see things that Tinks would post. And for whatever reason, I would feel a little, I don't want to say triggered. That's the wrong word, but I'd feel a little envious, right? So Tinks and I on paper have very similar lives, right? We live in the same neighborhood in Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. We're of a similar age, but we are from completely different worlds, right? She has an access that like I could never imagine. And she had that before she came into TikTok, right? She comes from a ton of money. So sometimes I would see her stuff and I actually like, I've seen her on the street, right? Like I would see her, it would make me feel a little less than. So I would go through phases where like, I would look at her stuff and then I would go through phases where I wouldn't. And also like the whole idea of rich mom walks. I totally get that. And I totally think it's funny, but like, I also work in Brentwood and that's like one of her rich mom walks. And like, like, I don't fit in there, right? Like I grew up in a house with one air conditioning unit. I don't fit in, in Brentwood, even though I liked her and I thought a lot of her content was funny and I loved her clothes. There was something, and I'm not like looking back on this, like Monday morning quarterback. I just knew that for me personally, there was something about tanks that it's not that she wasn't being, I think she was being authentic. I think she was being herself, but it didn't fit into what authenticity in my lived experiences living in LA and, you know, being of a certain age. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, so I'm on the opposite side of the continent. I'm over here in Montreal, but I feel very similar to you in that I was a fan. I was more just of a straight up fan from the get go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that a lot of that was, I was interested and also the content has has shifted over time. That's okay. You're allowed to evolve online, but I say this all the time, but I don't know how I haven't been inducted into a cult. It's like, I'm subconsciously always like looking for a cult to join. (laughs) Not proud of it. You know, they have some, they're called religion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am, I am Jewish, but I'm like looking at, I keep adding things onto it. Give it a little twist. No, but I... (laughs) But, Jewish, but like make it Emily. Yeah, yeah. Make it, you know, make it a little Midsommar, make it a little Tink's emotional support water bottle called whatever. So <laughs> when she was coming up and making her content, I was in a really, really bad place. Mm-hmm. It was inspiring. Be like, oh yeah, get out and do these walks no matter what. Her advice is so definitive that it was kind of this guiding force because I was starting my life over and she was giving a lot of dating advice. I'm, I'm yeah. in a new city. Mm-hmm. I'm living with my dad. I just joined the dead mom club i'm trying to now in this circumstance oh my god welcome thank you oh my god we're so glad you're here yes i hate <laughs> to see a new member but love to find each other um so right so, but in this circumstance i was also trying to date make new friends because i'd moved to to my home where did you move well, from I, so i was in british columbia i was in on the mm-hmm. western side of canada mm-hmm. and i'm from montreal but i haven't lived there so i moved back home in the pandemic to take care of my mom see her on her way out oh my god so rough, but continue. Yeah. Like, I, like my heart goes out oh, to you. Oh, thank you. No, thank you so much. And I know I, I've loved your content on that whole side of things, but we have so much <laughs> to talk about with on all fronts. I know I'm like raining in. So in that incredibly vulnerable state, she was like, here's what you need to do to go out. Here's how you need to date. And I was like, yes, tell me your ways. Totally. Because I was trying to date, make new friends, 
get a job, get a place to live, literally just build up a whole life. And so it was very nice to have someone who was my peer, but living this incredibly aspirational life. And there were certain bits of advice that actually were very helpful. Make a first date one hour. I was like, yes, that's actually the perfect parameter for me to not be like scared off and to kind of have this limit to it, things like that. And then I started to get disenchanted over time because I was like, wait a minute, is it really the right move to be this kind of rich white lady in 2022 where your whole brand is I'm rich and you you can feel rich that's where it started for me right I started to feel like but wait but you are rich so telling us that it's just feeling is kind of like being a pro athlete and being like anyone could feel like a pro athlete it's like okay but you literally (laughs) are but we are (laughs) it's like the whole Tom Brady like you know he has a workout routine he like has these gyms that are like I don't even know if they still exist but he has these gyms that are like tv12 gyms and you go and you do the same workout as him but I'm like okay I'm sorry investment bro dude you are not an NFL player like there's no reason for you to be working out like that it's probably not healthy for you so I completely agree and I also think that you have to think about the timing of it all we're in COVID for me it was like day by day and we were looking to people for how to live our lives whether that be you know and I know it's probably different in Canada but whether that be Dr. Fauci, whether that be the CDC. So this was giving us that. I think we really wanted one or two people to be like, how do I do this? What do I do? You know, and when you're operating from a place of like, oh my God, this is really hard. And like, I'm sure you know that from your own experience of losing your mom. Like you have to kind of take it day by day. You look for just like, what is the one answer? Maybe, maybe I'm just one salad away from feeling better. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right, exactly. So I think Tinks became one of those people that people went to. For me, I sometimes have a hard time. And this this is a me problem, not a Tinks problem. You know, she has this mom who she has this great relationship with. And, you know, they're always flying out to see each other. And I think for me, it was like triggering a little bit of, I don't have my mom. I don't have that connection. I feel very alone out here in LA. So I was like, "Mm, is this the best fit for me? That's a me problem, not a Tinks problem. Then I started to see the Tink's Closet account and I was like, oh shit, everything she wears is $600 minimum. I mean, like once in a while there was an Aritzia piece, but even Aritzia is a splurge for me. So I was like, can't relate to that. So I started to feel a little whatever, maybe this isn't right for me and was backing off. And then to be totally honest with you, Fig Newton Gate happened, which I don't know if you're familiar with. I am. And this is why I love your content because I have these moments that I think these things I see these little connections but I just don't want to deal with the people that think I'm crazy I already get enough of that with my very sanitized content so can you explain briefly Fig Newton game? <laughs> okay I'm going to preface this with the fact that I am unhinged I know I'm unhinged people are already here with me wanting to listen to me so I think they're primed <laughs> I just at the end of the day, this is about protecting the Nabisco family um, and the giveaway will be dropping soon. I've already been in contact. And the sponsor of this week is Fig Newton. No, imagine, I wish. <laughs> oh my God, I wish I want that Nabisco money. Yeah. Um, so I did joke around recently to somebody and this was before the whole Tinks thing. And I said, if Tinks is Starbucks, I'm Dunkin' Donuts, right? 
And I think that kind of goes back to the fact that I did this video for like no freaking reason. I don't know why I did it. I just was like, you know, what's a great snack? Fake news. And it was like me holding a package of travel side, like the one you would get at like a 7-Eleven. I was like, I love these. And then I got into some discourse with people who follow me and I follow them. And they're like, I didn't know you like fake news. And so I was like, don't ever come for me over fake news. So I put up that video on 3.30 where I was like, don't ever come for me with fake news. And I changed my TikTok bio and just say something about fake news. And that was it. And then I'm at work and I see that Tinks has done one of those not into it. So not approved by me videos. Hers were like mimosas, Matt foundation. And to me, they're very like, I don't like the, we did a thing. I don't like boomerangs. So it's very like, to me, like millennial Instagram. And then for reasons that I will never understand, Fig Newtons is on the list. And I think to myself, well, that's weird, right? Like I just did this whole thing about Fig Newtons yesterday, but I thought to myself, Meredith, who are you? You are no one, okay? You are sitting in your office at 6.30 at night, holding the goddamn phone up, thinking about recording a TikTok about Fig Newtons. And I said, you're crazy. When I got home that night, I just like, you know what? I just, I would be interested to know where Tinks is right now. And that's when I discovered that she was on the Fresh Beauty Influencer trip. Your sworn enemy. They are my sworn enemy. For good reason. Fresh Beauty took my content. First of all, call a spade a spade. I did a video where I was like, I think Fresh Beauty is going out. I think that they're not going to be around the way they used to be. They took that video, green recorded it and put it on their TikTok. To which I say, yes, I was being critical, but you guys are a billion dollar company. They're owned by the Louis Vuitton company. They have billions of dollars. They do all types of branding deals. And then you took my image and you put it on your TikTok. I had to call corporate to get it taken down. And so I trolled them. I trolled them hardcore. Mm -hmm. And when I say I trolled them, I don't feel like I'm being mean. They are a corporate account. I was like, take my content down. So anyway, when I see that Tinks is on the Fresh Beauty trip, and then I see the Fig Newtons, I know it's a little unhinged but it's a little close to home. And I talked to a friend who works in this space, in the influencer space, and she deals with a lot of folks like this. And, but she was like, oh, 1000% Fresh Beauty pulled up your content when they were on that trip with her. And we were saying this like before we were recording, but I'm a nobody in this space, but I am starting to see it is a small, small world and people talk and people know each other. And if this whole scenario seems unlikely to you, if you're listening, like think about the industry that you're in. There's a lot of industries where even if it's spread out across North America, you know each other. It's that type of vibe in the whole brand influencer space. So yeah, and I could see that playing out with this whole scenario. And I got my first glimpse of it when I realized while this whole thing was unfolding that Tanks had, she had blocked friend of the pod, Lex Nico. And Lex Nico is, she's like very established influencer, but doesn't have like the same platform as Tanks. She's a ray of sunshine. I can be very critical. She, she always finds something positive to say about people, but she has content that she's had for a long time where it's like, I eat my salad with a spoon, like things like that. And, Mm -hmm. and this is not Lex's words. She is being incredibly diplomatic. I'm saying this. It seems to me that a lot of Tanks's content, some of it is copied from Lex's and then she blocked her with no explanation. And Lex was like, I respect people's boundaries. I'm have no idea why I'm kind of shocked. And I'm like, okay, all right. This is the vibe that we're working with. Tanks is this person who the brand is built off of I'm a big sister. I'm a girl's girl. I'm a nice girl. All that. That's what it's evolved in. And that's, and right. that evolution too is what interests me because I happen to have followed this, like, because I was literally like 
fully isolated during the pandemic. People are like, I was isolated. I'm like, no, no, I literally was cut off from all human contact except for like, <laughs> except for my childhood home. So I had a lot of time for TikTok and a lot of time. Yeah. And, and I, and I was watching all these things closely, like, and, and she started off doing comedy. I remember when she got an agent, when she got management, she was billed as a TikTok comedian. And that started to shift into more of like a influencer Mother Teresa kind of vibe, like a, more of like a, I'm, I'm, he- I'm a big sister. I'm here to give advice. Okay. Right, here to give you advice. Right. Okay, cool. Fine. And Dan Savage says that what qualifies you to give advice is people ask you. <laughs> And, and that's fair. My memoir is going to be time and opinions because I got time and I got opinions. Yeah. Like if anybody asks me for, like, I will give people advice on anything. Like I honestly, oh, like I, for me, I don't want to say I love giving advice. I love when people have an, a problem and we sit down, we try to problem solve together. I'm better at giving out advice than I am taking my own advice. So like I'm, oh for sure. and, and so I love like sitting down and, and doing that. And I've even thought of like, if there's a way to work that into the, this podcast, but I don't think it really fits in with it, but she gives out advice. Okay. So she's built that up. That is a fragile place to build your brand on when it seems that's not your character. And from what we've seen with everything unfolding, we have mean tweets coming out from, from mm-hmm. 10 years ago. All right. We were all different people at 23, but then we have racist <laughs> tweets coming out from two years ago. And that's where it's like, uh, we've gotten no answers and no explanation. I like, what are your thoughts on right. that? And Oh my God. Okay. So many thoughts. First of all, Watch one pack. the fact everyone I think evolves and her whole thing is I'm a work in progress. Is anybody not a work in progress? That's what I want to know. Everybody is constantly evolving. Is there anybody that you know who's like, you know what? I'm done. My personality, everything that I do is perfect. I'm not a work in progress. Dangerous to society, (laughs) but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, the fat phobic tweets really are bad. To me, they are really bad. I know people are like, oh, well, you know, it was 10 years ago. She was only 20. Like, I think a lot of people know not to say things like that about people's bodies, even at 22, even 10 years ago. But I also don't believe that people can't change and grow, et cetera, whatever. I feel like I'm rambling about this. But what I want to get Welcome at to is the fact. <laughs> my <Yeah>. whole thing. <laughs> the tweets that perpetuated racism and xenophobia. She hasn't touched those at all. And the ways in which she has apologized for them is to minimize what she did. And the only thing that I've seen her do about those, put out a Instagram story that, that was, I don't, I don't know, notes, whatever. It was not her big first apology. It was a question. It was, it was a Q and A. It was tanks. Tell me, did you vote for Trump or not? That was one of them. And she said, nope. And then there was another one. Somebody was like, just address the tweets. I feel she minimized them by saying things. I was scared. I was worried. We were all scared and worried. So she does that thing, that very PR thing where she's like, well, we were all feeling that way at the beginning of COVID. I mean, we were all scared and worried, but no, I wasn't retweeting racist things like, and most people I know weren't. But the other thing is she minimizes what she did because she's like, it's hard to believe that just a tweet or a like could perpetuate these things. I can pull it up. I can pull up the thing because I screenshot it. um, I'll I'll put all of it in the episode description. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And so to me, it's like, it's that opportunity to minimize, which I feel she did in her first apology too. By only apologizing to Kim Kardashian, Kim's, of all people, Kim is going to be fine, yeah. right? 
the tweets that she did about the journalist's wife. Have you seen these tweets about the journalist's oh, wife? Yeah. I'm also struggling to think of where to start to unpack all this because there's the fat phobic stuff. Then there's the xenophobic stuff. And it's like they're separate, but they're also intertwined because there yeah. is the tweet about the journalist's wife was from a very conservative political commentator talking about a liberal journalist and how his wife is ugly and it was based on his instagram it was based on like a, a a happy birthday post or something like that about his yes. wife his wife is not a public figure i don't ever want to body shame celebrities who are putting themselves in the public eye i would n- never even talk about the character of someone who is not a public figure not talk about their character in any way that's not okay not even not body shaming not their character not anything and so she said, oh, he, she, she is so ugly or something to that effect. Right. This was two years ago. And when you're talking about the way that she addressed it, yeah, it was like, you're right. She was sort of minimizing it. And it was like, well, we were all so scared in 2020. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, we were all scared. I didn't then take my nervous energy and start retweeting Eric Trump, Eric Jr., Don Jr., whatever, like his those idiot, those right. idiot, idiot son, yeah. Trump sons and like retweet it. Cause I'm like, I'm so scared. Ugh, retweet Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> you know, who's going to save us. <laughs> and so, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's all very much a PR move. Everything that she is putting out around these things is a PR move. And everything that she is putting out that even is not around these things is a PR move. And yeah. And, and you actually made a video about her first podcast that she came out with right after the scandal. And I heard you recapping it and you said, oh, she really didn't address this issue. I listened and it was like even less than what I imagined. It was like, guys, I've already addressed this. Let's move on. Here's my first question. And the first question is, I love you so much. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. First of all, can I just say, I feel like those calls are very vetted, if not fake. The calls might be coming from inside uh, the house, but also there are many, there are many fans. There is enough fans. That's true. That's very true. You're right. And the thing that she did in that apology that some people have gotten really mad at me about saying is she did this PR tactic. That is, she said, I've been very honest, probably more honest than people thought I would be. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, if that's your level of honesty, okay, sure. But you haven't addressed a lot of things. And what she's doing is like a very smart tactic, right? She's putting it on the people who are questioning her. She's putting it on the listener. She's saying, I'm being honest, more honest than people thought I would be. And people got upset because I compared that to a tactic that a certain political figure uses. And I am not saying that Tinks is like that person. I'm just saying that is a very popular way of spinning things is to put it on the other people person. People aren't able to really dance with like any element of nuance on the on the TikTok. And so it's like you saying that one ins of a type of communication style is similar to Trump. You're not saying she's Trump. That's not what we're, that's not not what we're saying. But if you are a Trump supporter, okay, then, but what you've done concurrently with that is you she's put out a ton of pro biden tweets she's done an interview with fauci leading people to assume that she is liberal and this whole i'm a rich mom rich rich everything has a very different feel to it when coming from a republican trump supporter this is where i'm like oh my god here's another cult i fell for like 
people were like, you really think the, the woman who made her whole brand being rich, you're shocked that she's a Republican? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, why? Why did I not put two and two together? I've heard pe- people have gone mad being like, you're saying you're not allowed to be a Republican. It's like, well, be, no, you have to be honest about it. Well, and here's my thing. Like, I guess I'm about as liberal as they come these days, but to me, people can change political views. Maybe she was enlightened. Say it. Right. This was two years ago. So I'm a bit of a pessimist about how much people can change. So I mentioned this actually briefly on my Instagram. I said, I think who you are at 30, who you are in your character is Mm -hmm. relatively who you are. You can improve yourself, but I don't think you fundamentally change the core of who you are in your thirties. I had someone write in and, and give an example of how she in her thirties got sober and changed her life. I'm like, that is incredible, but that's like a very different battling with mental illness, battling with addiction, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. That's very different. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about if at, if at 30, you think it's okay to, to say some random woman is ugly, like on a public forum, I don't think that's going to change a ton. And there are people who make their brand that there's like Jackie Schimmel. She has like the bitch Bible. There's people that are like, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'll say anything. I'm really open and honest and whatever. Like, but when you make your brand, I'm a, I'm a big sister. I'm a girl's girl. I'm a nice girl. I'm body positive, all that. Then that's where the trouble starts. And if you're putting out all these pro Biden tweets, you're doing work with the Biden administration. I am going to assume (laughs) you're on the left. (laughs) Just okay. But like, a check is a check is a check, right? And I have been seeing, you know, because I do some branding content. One of the things that has been coming out is some group looking for influencers to do pro Biden stuff for money. So a check is a check, yeah. right? You know, I get these like ones of like, you know, promote this, whatever. And one of them right now is is Biden related. Yeah. And well, you can edit that out if you well, want. No, but. no, it's no, it's all good. No. And, and and I'm not even saying like, I'm like, I think Biden's the answer. And, and that is like, you know, the thing that I put all my belief in far from it. But then you're retweeting this as a woman in your 30s or your 29 or whatever. So it's old enough to know better. And then either own that and don't make your brand around I'm this liberal big sister. So I think, I think we'll see it. I think that this is how I think it's going to be moving. This is my take. Who knows? I think that what happened is they realized that some people are just going to stand tanks no matter what. Some people are so here for her. And I get their comments. They say, you hate tanks. I don't hate tanks. Absolutely not. They say, how can you be so hateful about her? You're spreading hate by talking about her. I'm simply stating the facts of the things that she tweeted out. Her things were hateful. The things she tweeted out, the things she said were hateful. I will never comment on the way that somebody looks or, you know, like the things that she spread were hateful. And I believe that they have realized that people have fallen into two camps. There are the people who liked the idea of tanks, like I would say like a you and a me, but for us, racism and xenophobia is a deal breaker, right? Yeah, and that's yeah, how I yeah. Felt. And there's for, I think some of these people, no coming back from that. And then they have this other group of people who I'm not saying these people condone it, but they love her so much and they're willing to take the apology, even though it's not specific, even though it doesn't address the racism, they're willing to take it and move forward because they just want the Tinks content. They want to stay in the Tinks bubble. They don't want to be a part of the banana brigade. 
so the take so they're like all right fine we won't address the shit that the people who want to hold us accountable to and we'll just lean into shovel gang yeah and so banana brigade we both know what that is i'll just explain it for anyone who's listening yes, thank so you. the banana brigade no but this is something else that i want to get into so part of why this whole thing has been fascinating from the start is tinks is a, an incredible marketer so the banana brigade is this term that she has for people that attack her with no warning. She's like, I'm here for criticism, but people that criticize me unfairly are the banana brigade. And it's a smart way of marketing a bit of an us versus them type of thing. And it's similar to, she comes in very strong with these concepts and this is the banana brigade and this is the box theory. And this is the, this is the shovel gang. Like shovel gang is what she calls people that have a salad with a spoon, but just from a marketing perspective, it contributes so much to people's feeling of inclusion that everybody is so desperately wanting. They wanted it before the pandemic. They want it even more now to just feel this sense of belonging. And they're like, yeah, shovel gang rise up. Or like, yeah, I I do the box theory by Tinks. The box theory is simply the friend zone. It's the concept of the friend zone. And, and like, look, there's no original thoughts. You want to take the idea of a friend zone and you want to call it the box theory and say you created it. That's great marketing right there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 it kind of feels to me a bit like what Cosmo used to be, where it was like, here's right. how to get your man. Here's how to please your man and impress mm-hmm. him, but also empower yourself. But it was like this advice we all, well, at least I did. I read these magazines when I was younger, when I didn't know, how, <laughs> I didn't know my left from my right foot. And I was like, okay, I guess this is, this is what I, what I'll do in order to figure out dating and, you know, relationships and body positivity and whatever. But Really, it's there to uh, confuse you a bit more, make you a little more hating yourself and primed to buy what they're selling in a lot of ways. Right. And I think that it creates an in-group and an out-group, which if we look at just society in general, and we see this a lot with clicks, mm-hmm. who's in, who's out. And and I'm, I don't think this is the way she does it, but the banana brigade becomes the out-group. Yep. And the shovel gang or the rich mom crew or whatever is the in-group. Who doesn't want to be part of the in-group? The in-group means you make videos with Gwyneth Paltrow. The in-group means you buy, you know, a beautiful home in Los Angeles with a pool. Like that's the in-group. The out-group is people who who don't think Prolon's good. Yes. Well, what is the end result of Prolon? Yeah, we haven't even touched on the prolon of it all, but to to your point, yes, there's an in-group and an out-group. When the in-group looks like the teen movies from my childhood, these mm-hmm. are the cool, blonde, skinny girls in California in their $3 million house that they bought, getting these $50 lunches from Arrowon every day. That looks incredible to me. <laughs> Especially, right. especially when I'm like at my rock bottom, like shoveling cheese curds into my face, like all alone being like, yeah, that Erewhon <laughs> smoothie looks great. I'm like, you know, and <laughs> can I just say Erewhon is so fucking scary. I go to Erewhon, like, I think I've been twice and every single time I've like had near panic attack. Um, <laughs> people are literally fighting for their lives in the ballet parking lot. It's a simulation. Uh, Sorry. No, I, I know there's a lot of listeners from California. I went to Palm Springs. I went to Coachella recently. I still, I flew in and out of Palm Springs. I've still never even been to Los Angeles in the first place. So for me, Oh my God, come to LA. I will welcome you with open arms. I will. I think I'm going to go in the next year. I have to, I, I want to go so bad. And but all this to say, I can definitely admit for me, even as much as I'm so critical of the Kardashians, 
would I want to be invited to the uh, Kim fragrance launch party at Nobu Malibu? Fuck yeah. I would. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. The gift bag alone. Right. But I know that even if I became more popular, I'm not capable of being a company man. I'm not capable of really filtering myself. I know that I'm not putting everything in a super positive light, but I'm not putting myself in a positive light either. So, you know, I think with Tink at the end of the day, she is a business. She's a business, right? And she has to keep that going in some way. And my, and my prediction is that business will come back from this controversy stronger than ever within two to three years. She will have a book is my prediction. Okay. I and with you on that, I'm going to say less than two years. I'm going to say one year. Okay. I mean, if Stassi could get two yes. books. Okay. So, so glad you said that because I've actually seen Stassi post photos of, of tanks for anyone doesn't know Stassi is, was on the show Vanderpump Rules. She got fired for racism. She has come back with a book and it <laughs> makes my blood boil it's called off with your head and it's putting her as this mary antoinette like oh they tried to behead me and i survived and la 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 like this is uh yeah less than two years after uh she actively tried to get a black woman locked up for really nothing for pissing off her friend like right exactly like she called the police called her place of work called etc i can't even get i i can't even get yeah we can't even get into it because it is so and so but 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 they're but they're friends yeah they're friends and when stassi had her falling out she had a whole instagram account that was incredibly active called stand up for stassi now she has an incredibly lucrative patreon she is yeah thriving and doing very well right. and she has a similar audience I'm, i imagine to what tinks will have after there's been this sort of reshuffling after the dust settles yes right so i had always followed stassi for like you know, I was a Punk Rules fan, especially like back in the day, the first two seasons. And then once the stuff came out about what she did to Faith, I was like, I'm out. Not for me. I think that is very similar to what we will see with Tinks. The Stasi stands, they ride even harder. And, and that's the same thing with Tinks, right? Yes. So the Tinks stands are just going to go harder. They'll buy, you know, three crew neck sweatshirts instead of two, which by the way, I love a good crew neck, right? Like who doesn't? But they look the- so soft. I know they do look amazing, right? <laughs> I was like, who is the supplier? I tried to figure it out. I can figure it out. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly. And I think they're, I think that her team is smart to follow that. Yeah. So I want to go back to the prolon, the, the skinny elephant in the room. <laughs> and so this is actually why I discovered you in the first place, because last week's Patreon was all about diet culture how it's Mm -hmm. repackaged. So I see diet culture as evolving and putting on sneakier and sneaker disguises. I'm a, I'm a herbalist. I've gone to school for herbal medicine. A lot of that was focused on, yeah, focused on holistic nutrition. And so I'm not a registered dietitian or anything like that, but I I'm very interested by it. And I've trained in this to an extent. And so, and I'm looking at crash diets that are being sold as simply this is where our culture has brought us we're not allowed to say this is to make you skinnier but we can say oh this is for your gut health it is the exact right. oh gut health is the new weight loss it's right? the same thing as flat tummy tea weight loss suppressing mm-hmm. lollipops but you can't say that now you can't sell that so you can say this is for your gut health this is for bloating and mm-hmm. that is 
one of Tinks's big pillars of her whole brand is selling Prolon, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's this five day, basically a starvation diet. It's like a fasting, you, you pay to eat powdered soup and one little bar. It's less than a thousand calories a day. There's also a stage where you do get to eat olives. I don't know why. Okay. Love that. We love, <laughs> I love, I love They're just olives, throwing in something like, random. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we let you eat so much. We let you eat five olives. <laughs> That's like my, my friend had to fire a dietitian because she was like, you can eat as many blueberries as you want. She was like, as many as I want. She's like, yeah, like a, like a third of a cup. And she was like, if your version of eating as many blueberries as I want is a third of a cup, like this is not going to work. Um, but like, <laughs> so, so Prolon is something that Tinks has a code for. She does every five weeks in her own words, she advertises it. And when people have said you're promoting diet culture, her answer is, I have stomach issues. I have bloating. I have gut issues. This resets my gut. That is simply not a healthy thing to sell to a very large audience of millions. If you look at what Prolon actually puts out, their content is more around the benefits of losing weight on this product. So I joined the private Facebook group. I know. I love that you infiltrated. I, I don't know how I've been kicked out yet. And it's called Fast Nation. And it's, someone in the posts are heartbreaking. People are like, I took a week off from work so I could do prolon. My husband did prolon and he did really well, but like I, you know, actually gained weight. Like it's just, it's so sad to see. And it's just like, to me, it's this reminder that thinness is always going to be the thing that is uplifted. And, and I remember Tink's doing this post, I guess it was right after the holidays. And she has this thing called like operation fit back into my jeans. Okay. And like, she was going to Equinox in the morning. You know, I mean, I think you can talk about working out and that's a part of your lifestyle without having it be like about Tinks's gene size is smaller than mine. And so when I hear that for me, this is a me thing, not a Tinks thing. I'm like, oh, my gene size is bigger than hers. That's where my mind goes. So what does that say to me about the fact that like she can't fit into her jeans and now she's on this operation fit back in my jeans. It's still uplifting thinness, but it's doing it in sort of a jokey way. Right. Well, And there was also one, yeah, there was one that really struck me. This is how I de-bloat. This is, so when I'm bloated, this is what I do. And it was a, what I eat in a day essentially, but it was like, this is my guide to de-bloating. And it was, I drink a lot of water, uh, eat two salads and have a smoothie and a coffee. Of course, there's always a coffee I'm surprised there wasn't salmon in the what I eat. Like I was like <laughs> oh in the God. what I eat in a day. I was like, oh, these celebrities are causing. We we think that the ocean is the the ocean's fish populations are getting decimated because of global warming. Actually, it's because of celebrities just eating salmon. <laughs> salmon. Oh my God. But, Please, did you? I don't know if you saw this one, but I did this one of Vincent Rodriguez from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, oh, no. <laughs> and the the man oh, yeah, eats yeah, salmon yeah. six times a day. Okay, and. The nutritionist is like, I'm concerned about mercury. Poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And that, and that, that is a whole, that's like its own thing. But this was like, this is how to right. bloat. It was two salads, a coffee and a movie. And, and look, this is what I'm realizing is bloating is now, if you, instead of saying like, oh, I feel fat, you could say, oh, I feel I'm bloated. You know what? If by that definition, I'm quote bloated all the time. No, I'm just, that is me at a base and that's okay. But it's like, that is a very harmful way of saying like, this is something that you can change and this has to do with health. And if you want to be healthier, you can do this. Yes. And a hundred percent I have heard. And then people come for me on this. Like a lot of people being like, 
Yeah, fasting isn't exactly the way. Uh, so what we learned in school about this and what my teacher would always say is that the people, I did my herbal medicine school in a very like granola part of Western Canada. So people would legitimately- Is there a way to do your herbal medicine school that is not in a granola no. way? Like, isn't that <laughs> it's of, illegal. Isn't that, isn't oh, yeah, that, it's, it's implied. <laughs> it has to no, be, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this was like an, this was like off the grid, like full on in the oh, forest. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, like- very that the reason why I did it was because my teacher is very, very science-based and I love that. And also like, you know, these woo-woo elements, but she's incredibly like, you need to learn your chemistry. You need to learn your, your yes. macro, macro, right. micro, like everything just science-based along with the holistic elements. But she said, all of my clients that come to me, they're generally coming from the perspective of, oh my gut, my liver, my this, my that I need to do this intermittent fasting, this crash diet, this extreme, whatever. And she was like, that is the equivalent of if you have not worked out in years and you want to join a CrossFit gym and go every single day for three hours, you will probably lose weight. You'll probably get in shape. You're also going to injure yourself and you're going to snap back into what you were before in a boomerang because your body is not meant to go through these changes. And she said, what I suggest to these people is let's get you some probiotics. Let's get you gently into, and right. they're like, Oh no, but I want something quick. She's like, no, no, but your body's an ecosystem and doing these shock and awe campaigns on it is not actually what is healthy or what's going to be like a long-term positive thing, but people don't want that. They want something quick. And I want to just back up and say like, clearly Tinks is someone who is deeply troubled personally like there's a seems to be a lot of body issues that maybe she hasn't realized or reckoned with that are coming out on this public platform if i had a platform of a million people who knows what neuroses would then be oh put on display for everyone totally so- i and and i feel like you know people i've seen a lot of people making comments about things like that and i'm just like to me that's not up for debate right like you know when you are a public figure i can't you know she posted something the other day that like i think totally made sense. This was before this all came out of like, you know, it really messes with your head when you get your hair and makeup done all the time. And then I was like, yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure that messes with her. The thing that I would say though, and this is where I feel like what you were talking about learning in school and how it connects to tanks is like, I think it gets back to the fact that like, we all just want the box theory. We all just want to be able to put people into either the shovel gang or the banana brigade. We all just want to know if, do we need to wear a mask or do we not need to wear a mask? Yeah. We want the quick fix, yeah. right? And it's all the quick fix. With the whole nutrition thing, that doesn't work. But also to the effect of, oh, box theory, this, that, all these rules to do with dating, the actual answer for that. And I'm saying this as someone who has come from a lifetime of dysfunctional relationships, took a very long time of dating. And now I'm kind of just in a healthier, much healthier world of that. I'm like, oh, all of these rules really can be thrown out the window if you just are more comfortable in your skin and confident at putting boundaries down and you're choosing Mm -hmm. people who also respect your boundaries and can safely communicate together. Then you don't need like this matches energy, then do this, then call after one day. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like just communicate, find healthy people to date, which is such a more complex thing to, to tackle. But if you are in that place of having worked on yourself to that point, you don't really need to have these 20 rules that you're checking through. You just are following your gut. That's saying like, say what's on your mind. They'll communicate back. And then you'll go from there. It's like intuitive dating, right? Like we're moving towards this intuitive eating. It's intuitive dating. 
right? Like every situation is nuanced. Every person is different. The problem I think with online dating, not that I think there's anything, but it's, it's made it, it's like the, it can be like prolonged vibes, the quick fix. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. And you know, just to say something positive on the sense of like, when I was online dating, like Tinks's whole, like make your first date, like one hour was very helpful to me because I was so scared. I was so scared to date. And I was like, okay, you know what? I can do an hour. An hour is like a shopping trip. And then, and then because I had taken so many years off of dating, I, when I finally found someone who was just like, Hey, let's go out. And then after it was like, Hey, that was a great time. Like, and and we just were open (laughs) and comfortable with each other. I was like, Oh, I don't need a million and one rules and questioning myself. This is just kind of flowing, but it took what feels like a million lifetimes of working on myself to get to this point. But then once you're at that point, you don't need these box reverse box theory. This, that. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, like I'm a, I'm a big, I am a big sister. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, take what you like and leave the rest. Yes. Right. Like if some of the Tink's advice has worked for you, that's awesome. And I think it's like kind of indicative of like, I, you know, we all have different friends who fill different cups in our lives or are able to help us with different things, right? Like we have friends that we can go to who are really good at giving us advice of like how to navigate stuff with, you know, our family. Cause maybe they've, you know, grown up with us and we have friends that are really good at maybe navigating a work situation. So you go to them, but you don't go to the same people for everything. Yep. So with ticks, it's like, you know what? the hour long date. That sounds great. Okay. Like we don't have to follow all of her rules and all of her things. Yeah. But that's when it gets into the like idea of like, you're either in or you're out. Yeah. And, and, and I'm here saying my thoughts for an hour a week, plus, you know, my TikTok. So like, I want people to do the same with me. Like if I've offended people, I want to know because I want to learn from that. But if there's something you just don't like vibe wise, like take that and throw it out. And hopefully there's enough there that you like but if you don't like my overall thing like I am not for everyone and I don't like everything about me like no no exactly (laughs) you know what I mean like it's like in a way like how much of this is like we built tinks up to have to have the answers for everything I don't mean you and I but like I think a lot of her followers are like how do I navigate this yes situation how do I yes this comes back to the other theme that I always come back to which is idolatry and for me, the issue is not tanks. The issue is not the Kardashians. The issue is not all these celebrities. It's how we give them our attention and our money and on right. our trust and what that says about us. It's all just a projection. And as much as I'm trying to be fair and biased, who knows how much I'm projecting of my own shit onto this situation, you know? So all of that is there, but it, it all just comes back to us just like yearning for answers. And when someone's confidently standing up, we want to listen to them. But ultimately for me, the person's advice you should be taking is someone who's living the way want to be living, or you feel like is a healthy place for you to be at. For me, when someone's giving me relationship advice, I'm more primed to listen to them if they have the type of relationship model that I aspire to, or if it's career advice, if it's the type of career or lifestyle that I am trying to create, you know what I mean? like tanks, we're all work in progress. I'm, I know I'm, oh I'm not God. even saying that facetiously. I actually mean that. No. And I wish nothing ill on tanks. No. And like, I just want to say that, like, I have zero hate for her and me. Um, and I just, I want her to figure out the best way to navigate forward. I do hope that 
she's able to sort of talk a little bit more about some of this stuff and maybe able to sort of pause and reflect. But yeah, that's like all you all you can say. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, before you go, I want you to let people yes. know where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Meredith M. Lynch, and you can find me on TikTok where all the happily unhinged behavior happens, Meredith M. Lynch as well. All of that will be in the episode description. Meredith, thank you so, so much for meeting today. This was so fantastic. Okay, guys, that was my interview with Meredith Lynch. And now here's my interview with Sophie Gray. Okay, and we're back with Sophie Gray, founder of an incredible mental health app, Dive Through, who has been sharing her life online for almost a decade now. Sophie, how are you? I am great because if there's someone that's a fangirl of yours, it is me. I love your content and I'm very excited to be here. Likewise, I'm very, very much a fan of you. First of all, I'm a fan of your current work. So I have been very open about all kinds of mental health stuff on the pod. And your app is so incredible. And it's this nice little calming tool that I use. But also, I'm so enthralled by your journey because you've lived almost every experience of influencer life that you could possibly live through. I want to get into all of that. So I want to ask you about your story. There's so much to cover here. Off mic, right before this, you were saying you don't consider yourself an influencer. And fair enough. Because you're you're a badass entrepreneur, but you started as an influencer. Is that would 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 you say that's correct? Yeah, I started sharing on Instagram in 2013. So yeah, almost a decade ago, and that term was not used yet. Like even the word like internet famous wasn't really even used. Yeah. But when I started posting about my life online, everyone mocked me from my like hometown. It was like oh, you're like a weirdo posting on the internet. So I think for me, it was just like not a badge of honor. It wasn't an aspirational career like it's. And then I I know you've talked about it. And I think there's this difference between, you know, influencer, a content creator, and I have 101 thoughts on that. So more so I have this channel that I leverage for my entrepreneurial endeavors. Yeah. So it's a weird thing. That's for sure. Yeah. I have 101 thoughts. And what brought about this episode in the first place was this big controversy. That's a little niche there. This big influencer tanks had this whole scandal with old tweets resurfacing and it started conversations around diet culture. And it made me think of your story because you started as a fitness influencer or fitness person online, like whatever you want to call it, right? Like it was like aspirational. It was like all about fitness. You got insanely popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I could just, yeah, kind of do a recap of that journey. So for me, I started my Instagram channel, um, yeah, back in 2013 and it was meant to be a modeling portfolio. That was like all I had aspired to ever be. I wanted to be a Victoria's secret model. Mm -hmm. I knew every single one of their measurements. I knew all about that, but I didn't have the measurements to be that I was classified as a local model. So not one that could ever, you know, be big. And so I started working out and eating a certain way to try to get my measurements to that place. And so I started posting about that online under the handle way of gray. Um, and people start to started to notice because, you know, I was naturally thin, but people started to ask me like, you know, what are you, what are you eating? How are you working out? What are you doing? And I saw this opportunity to be like, okay, like people are very curious on what I'm doing. So I built a whole brand around that. And, um, I did it, you know, I think I was like in the thick of that fitness aspect for really the first three years, 
Um, and through that, I sold workout programs and I, I, you know, saying that now everyone's like, oh, well, everyone did. But back then that was not a thing that was done. And yet. Were, so, were you developing them yourself? So I took a like certification program that was like three weekends, but then, because I was like, okay, I want to like, say I'm like a certified personal trainer, but then I had never trained anyone in my life and I was just working out. So I actually always had like the first workout program I did, like, it wasn't even a workout. It was like 10 moves. And it's like, here, you, you can do this. Whereas all of the other ones I paid people to create them. And then I put my name on them. So it was like, I was the face of it, but I didn't have the expertise to like safely build a workout program. And that was always a priority to make sure they were like, you know, actually good movements, actually safe for you to okay. do. So yeah, I paid someone to do, make them. And while you were doing this, when you were starting off, where were you at mentally? So you're posting this content. That's very like, here's me live, laugh, loving. Where were you? <laughs> I say that with the asterisks. I got <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it totally <laughs> where, <laughs> Where was your headspace at? Yeah. So the truth was I was not live, laugh, loving. Um, I was <laughs> in fact, spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah, spoiler. I was deeply depressed and had an eating disorder. Um, so yes. Yeah. Mental health had been something I struggled with my entire life. Um, and in my teens, so like when I would have been like 13, 14, I struggled with, um, self-harm and a suicide attempt that we were just left unprocessed and my parents don't know how, didn't know how to help me getting help wasn't a thing and for me it was always about I felt so unhappy and so out of control of my pain so I harmed myself and that evolved into harming myself through working out and eating a certain way so for me exercise and eating I'm I don't even want to call it healthy but you know having being on a diet was always driven by my pain so it was never coming from a positive place. Mm -hmm. And the brand on the outside, I still stand by that brand because I was always talking about loving yourself and taking care of yourself. And cause that's desperately where I wanted to be coming from, but I, I just wasn't. And, you know, I definitely was perpetuating diet culture. So I don't stand by that aspect. I do stand by, you know, wanting to, to feel great about yourself and whatever that looks like for you. So yeah, I was in a bad place. And for me, it went from being like feeling rejected in my teen and high school, junior high, to then finding acceptance online, but acceptance that was related to how I looked and an image that wasn't natural for my body. I'm like the palest person in North America. Like when you're pale, you're like, you don't, you don't really show off as muscular because you're just translucent. So for me, I would get two or three spray tans before photo shoots so that you could like see any sort of mus muscle definition because that was just not what my body looked yeah. like. I had workout clothes that I took photos in and workout clothes I actually worked out in. Oh, wow. So it was just very much this crafted image because that's what I was being accepted by. That's what people wanted. And then I wanted that, like I wanted to live that image, but it was very much a facade for me. Yeah. It's like, you were the first person that you, you were creating this aspirational content for, like, wouldn't it be great if I was quote, Sophie gray of like way of gray, you know, totally. Yeah. And, and I, I talk about this all the time, how quickly culture changes and pop culture and diet culture and all of that. It, it takes on so many different forms. It's so hard to even articulate just how different things were in 2013. Mm -hmm. You could sell anything on the internet, diet culture wise, flat tummy tea, whatever, lollipops. <laughs> the flat tummy teas. Oh. oh my God. Remember, like, I think they capture 
what the time was like then and just the desperation we had. Yes. And like, I think it's because we grew up with Victoria's Secret models. Yes. And then we saw this pathway towards that. Yeah. Like, I think that just that culture was, was the moment it was it. It was the, yeah. like the be all end all at yeah. that time. Thank God for Rihanna just taking an ax to Victoria's Secret. And just <laughs> like, we were already kind of, we were already turning on it as a society. But she's like, let me just, I'll, I'll raise you one Savage X Fenty and just, we're going to kill this once and for all. <laughs> We thank her. You know, when you said, oh, I wasn't a Victoria's Secret size, Victoria's Secret models weren't that size. Like now that now we've seen through TikToks, but they weren't even that size. Okay. So my favorite model ever, I'm like blanking on her name. I'm glad that, that I knew every, again, every measurement, but now I don't even remember her name. Maybe it was Heather. I don't know. Let's call her Heather. She was my favorite. And she recently came out that she was doing bathtub meth to stay thin. And I'm like, oh, it was the meth. The meth was missing was what I can look like. <laughs> that was the je ne sais quoi. What is it? I'm really, I'm working out, you know? And it's so crazy to look back because it wasn't that long ago. And yet it's like a lifetime ago. I mean, I think people are already aware that that was really messed up. But when you really get into the nitty gritty details of what these people were going through who were supposedly the pinnacle of beauty and success at the time being like, oh yeah, I was doing homemade meth. That's why I looked the way I did. Like, you're like, oh, maybe that's why we're all a little unwell. Very that. Yeah, it's very that. Okay. So this was your start. And I want to ask you next about when it came crashing down because you're no longer way of gray. You're no longer a fitness model, influencer, what what have you. Can you tell me about that part of the journey? Yeah. So like I mentioned, mental health was always something I struggled with. And my coping mechanism was to say that I was fine and just shove it down and pretend it didn't exist. And that doesn't work. Um, you know, it eventually catches up with you. Surprise. If anyone's doing that right now, sorry, there is a, an end to that. It's so common. And also it's, I've gone through periods of time like that, but I, I have many moments of that constantly where I haven't even really checked in with myself that day or that week. And I'm like, yeah, I think things are fine. It's tricky. Yes. So you have, absolutely. yeah. So I'll, anyway, I love it. I love this conversation. I was struggling. It had gotten to the point where looking the certain way that I had content creating at that time had got started to get a little bit more sophisticated. So the influencers that were taking off at that time were like doing workouts on beaches and they were in bikinis. And I live in Edmonton, Alberta, where there is a lake that is disgusting and that's it. For for you, um, yeah, for you non-Canadians, Edmonton is not necessarily the most aesthetic backdrop. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love living here. There's great, but there isn't a tropical beach. There isn't sand. There isn't any of that. So the aesthetic wasn't right. Um, so this, yeah, this, the kind of the stakes had raised to stay popular and to, to stay like on top of people's mind, which is a whole other conversation of like the life cycle of influence. So for me, what I started to do was like, okay, I need to start traveling and I actually don't like to travel, which is a weird thing. I've always felt that way like very privileged that I have been able to travel. My parents are from Scotland. We'd go there regularly. I like my house. I'm very particular. I, all of this stuff. So I started traveling, even though that's not what I loved. And I had like, I think like six trips booked within like 40, a 40 day period. I was like gone for 30 days of 40 days. And 
with each trip, I started to get anxious. And I remember just being like ignoring it. Like I remember going on one flight and like just having this like spark of anxiety that I just wasn't listening to. You were going on these trips. Were you self-funding them? And it was it, it, it was to take photos and make content? Yeah. So we went to like Aruba and we had a partnership with the Ritz Carlton and they like paid for a portion of it, but we still you know, had to pay, but it was like, yeah, taking photos on the beach there. And then I was in Los Angeles. I went, um, actually livestrong.com was a really great partner. Which just tells you really what time it was that it was a Livestrong moment. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when livestrong.com was like, yeah, the pinnacle of like, you would Google like how to lose weight. And they're like in our thigh workouts. (laughs) You'd be Googling it with your Livestrong bracelet around your wrist that we all had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they, they brought me to Los Angeles and I did like, I did a live workshop with them. And then I was in New York and I was speaking actually at a wellness event in the Hamptons. Oh, rich people. I'm not used to what those people look like. So it was, yeah, this whole thing. I was actually on a panel with a Victoria's Secret model trainer, full circle moment for me, truly. Um, So I was like in New York, I was speaking with different magazines or I was just like labeled as like the self-love fitness influencer, LOL. (laughs) And I, I was coming back from this trip and I had a full on panic attack on the connecting flight. So you connect from New York to Toronto, then Toronto to Edmonton. So it's like a 60 minute flight. I felt all of the panic attack symptoms and then I blacked out. And when I arrived in Toronto, he was my boyfriend then, he's my husband now. Um, I was just like, you are driving me across the country because I'm not getting on that plane. So I chose rather than four hours alone with my thoughts, I chose like 30. Um, so it was this absolutely brutal fucking drive. And we had to drive. We actually went back into the States because it was quicker. And at the border, we're like, yeah, we're like coming back in. We were just in the States. And they're like, well, what's going on? And my my husband was like, she had a panic attack and we're driving. And the guy was just like, yeah, okay, go, go on in. He's like, I literally can't, I'm not able to handle this. Like just go, yes. go women's enough said. Yeah. <laughs> So I had panic attacks this entire drive, like middle of Wisconsin, whole lot of open space. But yeah, I continued to have panic attacks. And when I arrived home, it was kind of like that. You know, everyone's like, oh, you were so brave to step away. And I was like, I had no fucking choice. Like it was like, I am in a mental health crisis. I cannot continue in the way that I'm going. You need to, you know, you need to pull back. Like your body ejected you. Yeah. It was just like, no, it like yeeted me from fucking, it was like, we're out of here. Yeah. It's like parachuting out of the plane. Like you just got literally pushed off the plane essentially. It was like, you're off this trip, like an off this path. Yeah. So for me, I was like, okay, like I am clearly not okay. And then I'm perpetuating this image that like, I feel like shit. I don't feel like I look good enough. And I look like what everyone fucking look like, whatever, what I'm even aspiring to be. So like I'm making other people feel like shit. So for me, it was like a very hard stop. It was like, firstly, the first hard stop came where I was like, I'm no longer posting photos in bikinis or like in sports bras. And I like made that like announcement and commitment. And then it was like, okay, I'm not going to sell my workouts. I'm not going to do anything fitness related, uh, wellness related. And just, I'm fully backing out of this. So I think at my peak on Instagram, I had like 450,000 followers and like, I now I'm at like maybe 250. So like I've lost hundreds of thousands of followers. You lost a mid-sized and- town because <laughs> like, because you were treating yourself better essentially. Yeah. Cause I was like, and I think for me, I like then started to like kind of put it all out there and be like, this is, this is what's going on. I never Photoshop my photos, but like 
I was like always wearing makeup and people were like your skin's so clear. And like, that's like the one thing, like my skin is not fucking clear. So like, for me, it was like the makeupless selfies. It's so funny though. Like I went viral for posting makeupless selfies and it's like, because at the time it was like 2016, 2017, that wasn't happening yet. So I kind of got ushered from this, like beginning of this fitness craze to this, like, I think you talk about like the word authentic, like being authentic online is like so overrated, but there was this bubble period in like 2017 where like that was what now suddenly became in. And like, that's kind of like what I got ushered into Oh yeah, right after my fitness. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm keenly aware of that time because I've sort of studied it. I, I had this video that I made on a whim was ended up being one of my most popular videos about Rachel Hollis, who for anyone listening, who doesn't know who that is, she is uh, a whole situation. <laughs> Maybe I'll link, I'll probably link that, that video in the episode description, but you guys might've remembered this posted this photo of her being like, these are my stretch marks. And she is a thin white woman. She was on a fancy resort trip and posted there's this photo where her stomach showing she had a bunch of kids she said these are my stretch marks it took off it launched a multi-million dollar career and that's where we were at at that time we were so hungry for not feeling like shit any semblance of authenticity that we were like yes this rich thin white lady on a vacation showing like a little bit of a wrinkly stomach is like this is radical (laughs) he to me like perfectly captures that time and then it's like stuck there whereas for me it was like a it was like a stopping point because I went from so deeply hating myself that the petrol and like swung to the other side I feel like the people that are loudest about self-acceptance are the ones that don't actually have it because I think when you truly feel really great about where you are you don't talk about it your self-image is just not your focal point it's just there and it just exists so for me that was when body positivity was being mainstreamed and ripped away from its original intention, which was to create a safe space for marginalized bodies. So I kind of went from contributing to diet culture to trying to find my own way and trying to adopt this system that was like a little bit of, let me sage here, let me talk about embracing my bodies when like I'm still a white, thin woman. So, and like, I know, you know. Well, Andrew just trying to heal your trauma on a public stage as a young, as a young person too. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I think when we have like the larger conversation about influencers, that's where it gets tricky because I started this channel at 18. I was growing up. I was finding myself. There's a lot of growing pains there that imagine if you're like, yeah, what you say at 18 is now fucking stuck to the internet, but like, we're all embarrassed of who we are are at that time. And that doesn't excuse anything harm is harm yeah I think it's like growing pains and growing up but for me yeah like at that time is where I really started to I got like called in by my audience being like okay like you're using sage but do you like know the history of it and I was like no like I don't it's not just for like women's circles and someone was like no like this is like a sacred indigenous practice and I think that awakening and that opportunity to learn really pushed me outside of myself and being like okay I'm taking up these spaces without truly understanding who they're for and what they're meant to represent. And body positivity, no, it should not be ran and owned by thin white women. It was a movement for marginalized bodies. There's nothing that spiritual white ladies love more than pretending to be Native American. (laughs) And 
I say this, like I'm incredibly embarrassed, but yeah, many years ago, I too was burning white sage and I'm spiritual and all this until I realized like, oh my God, this is a closed practice. I can't believe that I just was doing this wholeheartedly. I, I don't want to just say, oh, we're absolved of wrongdoing because, oh, well, we didn't know, but the discourse wasn't what it is now. We sort of gave ourselves a pass collectively for that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I think when people like everyone's like cancel culture, cancel culture, and I'm like, is it cancel culture or is it accountability? And is it people finally being like, okay, like enough is enough. There needs to be a change here. Like you're taking and profiting from something that isn't yours. Is it meant for you? You're centering yourself. And I think that's where this issue is with influencers today. And there's like a lot, you know, to be said around that. Like in my own journey, I was figuring all that stuff out on a very public platform. And I have a lot of, you know, regrets around being the person to take the picture of like, oh, look at my stomach. And it's like rolls, but it's because I'm like crunched over. And it's like, okay, well, who's that actually helping? Like no one, let's be honest here. And yeah, like truly learning about diet culture and like that cycle had been just changed everything for me and my viewpoints towards how I was contributing to that. Yeah, but like, I, I know what you're saying, you know, I think no matter where we were at 10 years ago, we all kind of cringe at it or even five years ago, but that whole thin woman doing a stretched out photo and then a bent over photo, we ate that shit up. Like even three, four years ago, we were like, oh my God, so incredible. I love that type of stuff. I remember I wasn't even, I didn't even have an influencer account. I remember wanting to do one of those photo shoots myself. And I'm like, where am I even posting this? I feel like, look, see, this is me flawed. Who did we think? Mm -hmm. Who did we think we were? But the fact that Rachel Hollis was our hero at the time really says a lot. Very that. Yeah. I think it speaks to that time. And I, but I'm really curious. Have you watched the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary yet? Yes. I loved it. It's incredible. I think it perfectly captured the situation. And then you look at them now and look, they're body inclusive. It's like, okay, but is it a little too late? Cause now are they just profiting off of that versus actually giving a fuck about it? Well, I mean, and I say that Rihanna killed Victoria's Secret, Victoria's Secret still exists. They are still operating. It's sort of awkward. It's like Abercrombie and Fitch still exists, but it's kind of awkward because they can only pivot so much <laughs> and they terrorized all of our teen years. So we haven't forgotten. Have we forgiven? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't either. And we all, we're all way more media savvy and we, we have so much more media literacy too, in, in terms of advertisements and what we're sold. And you can see when it's performative versus genuinely just like, yeah, here's our models. Here's the clothing. It's for everyone, but not because some creepy old man in a boardroom had to be like cornered by the interns and be like, we have to change. You know? mm-hmm, absolutely. Everyone who hasn't seen the Abercrombie documentary, it's really fun. Like it touches on some very serious issues, but it's super fun and nostalgic and really puts in perspective what we were all going through during that very, very weird time that we were shopping at this nightclub that was also basically kind of like gay male porn, but also aspirational to football players, you know? I never noticed that component before, but I just think of like how you couldn't fucking breathe in those fucking rooms. And like, I remember I had one Abercrombie and Fitch shirt and I swear I wore that thing fucking every fucking day because it's what it meant. But then I guess I was also more into Hollister because I couldn't fucking afford Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very bizarre. At the time, I wasn't fully clued into it, but I was like, this is funny that all their catalogs don't show anyone with their clothes on. 
uh, and it's mostly men cajoling. It was, I didn't realize how much it was men centric because they were selling to women. Like, I don't really remember guys wearing it, but that's maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but like it was, yeah, naked men. And then they were targeting it was women's clothing. Yeah. Very, very weird. (laughs) Okay. So I want to get back to your journey with all this. So we've gone now from fitness model to trying to be the face of more body positivity in its early stages and then kind of getting called out and taking that feedback in. And then what came after that for you? I think what truly came after that was a complete, what's unattachment, like just unattaching, detaching myself from Instagram. And what came next was nothing in terms of the influencer persona came next in my journey was Um, You know, I always say like I was an entrepreneur through and through and I was figuring out my next kind of move. And so for me, that's when I started working on dive through because I was really frustrated with the mental health space at the time, because when I was in my crisis, I got looped into the Rachel Hollis aspect of the world, the spirituality aspect of the world, like in as in not genuine, like white woman version. And I was left feeling very empty. It was like, okay, but this isn't mental health education. This is not qualified. These are not, they're not mental health professionals. This is life advice masquerading as it's just toxic positivity. Think your, think your best thoughts and you'll be cured. And it's like, that's not going to happen. But then on the flip side of it, the clinical side was very clinical. You know, I couldn't pronounce the fucking words. Not like, I didn't know what they meant when I was reading like the psychology today's the psych central. So I saw that there was this need for a tool that broke down mental health in a really relatable way. Cause I think like, that's the great thing that these lifestyle influencers and like the Rachel Hollis's do is that they do make you feel seen and heard, but then it's like evil little pieces sewn into it. Whereas it's like, okay, that's valuable that we're attracted to that. But then I think with the mental health side, it was very unaccessible, not just in price point, but in language. So I wanted to create, yeah, a tool that brought in mental health professionals so qualified mental health advice and support, but had that piece that made it relatable and easy to understand. And you could see yourself in that. So that's really where dive through started from. And I think I finally was building something that wasn't related to me because I'm not a mental health professional. So who actually is front and center are the professionals in dive through. And I think it's been the greatest gift because I went from being, you know, way of gray and Sophie gray with, you know, the at symbol at the beginning Um, to now just being a person and I have an Instagram account and maybe I post about my dogs on it, but it's not at all a part of my identity. Guys, just download it. Okay. It's so simple. I, uh, this is not paid or sponsored, but really, no, I I've really been using this app for a couple months because, you know, I'm always working on my mental health. It will always be a struggle for me. That's just how my brain chemistry works. Uh, and this is just, it's like this simple little three-step check-in. And for me, that's where I'm at. But this is like this, just such a quick little moment of being like, what's actually going on for me right now? I also want to highlight that you said, you know, real mental health experts are friend and center, just compared to the whole Rachel Hollis of it all. I learned through doing my little mini expose about her that she has no training mental health and her conferences. She's charging people thousands of dollars to get to these conferences. She's basically just telling them how incredible she is. And then being like, okay, everybody stand up and say your worst trauma. And then just sending them out into the world. It's like fucking crazy. 
Yeah, I think like when we look at the rise because of the pandemic, there was this rise in mental health creators and they came out from the fucking therapy clinic room because they were like, what the fuck is happening? This is really damaging. Like, I feel like the rise of mental health creators, like, and when I say mental health creators, I'm meaning qualified mental health professionals that create content online. They came because they were like, they're furious. (laughs) They're like, what the fuck is this? toxic positivity, manifest your best life. Let's talk about trauma and kumbaya. They're like, no, that can't happen. So for them, they're coming out and being like, here's actually like trauma safe support. And here's actually how to manage panic attacks. And here's this and that. And I think that's, what's so great about them because it was like, they were sick of seeing the, the industry being ran by life coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Life, (laughs) life coaches. Who I have gone in really hard against life coaches uh, because I do believe that they are the next kind of pyramid scheme that's emerging. Like we're all catching on to the sort of, hey, hun, the people selling whatever leggings and that type of thing and those MLMs. But I think that coaches are the next pyramid scheme because ultimately when you break it down, what is a life coach other than a, a psychologist with no training and <laughs> no education. Yeah. Like what life coaching is supposed to be is like, it's supposed to help you think about the, future. let's set goals yeah. versus a mental health professional is supposed to be like working through tra- like your, you know, childhood, deeper things. You can't, those can't be separate. Like to work on your future, you need to work on your past yes. and it's all connected. Everyone says there's a time and place. And I'm like, sure. There's been some great life coaches out there and whatever. I've gone in so hard on them and people are like, but I have this business coach. And I'm like, no, no, Different. I'm not saying I'm against coaching. I look for career advice to people in my field. I'm not talking about that, but when you get into just how many life coaches there are now, what are they really doing other than saying what's going on with you? What's wrong? Ripping that out of you, but not being qualified to deal with that and hold a container. I think when it comes to therapy, because there's, there's different reasons you go, right. And like, that's one thing that you, when you're looking for a therapist, they don't really, I guess, teach you that. So what's your preference? So preference can easily be, you know, I'm looking for a woman, but I also think preference comes from age and that's not meant to be ageism because to me, I personally connect with a woman, my mom's age, because I've always had issues with peers Whereas someone is like, no, like I want a younger, you know, person and they have the qualifications and that psychoeducation is great there. And it's all, yeah. what you know what you're looking for. I'm framing it more and more like looking for a therapist is like dating. It really is one of those things for, for me now, actually my therapist is is about my age and, and I need it to be a woman or a non-binary person, not a man. And that's what I need. And so everyone needs to just really think hard if you have the means to seek out therapy to just think what do you need and stick to that don't be ashamed of that and advocating for that yeah I think the greatest example is I'm just like a man therapist however (laughs) someone I know has really bad issues with their mother and they feel safe with men and it's like amazing I love that and like we work with um doctor our doctor Justin from a modern therapist and he's like the greatest guy ever. So even there, like, you know, we all have what we're looking for. And I think, yeah, just defining a therapist thing, trust is like a massive issue and dive through is definitely working on some stuff for that. It is like dating. You have to find someone that works exactly like for you and what you're looking for, I think in specialty, but also can I swear around them? If you're micro dosing, can you talk about that? Like, you know, those specific things so that you should be feeling safe with your therapist. And if you don't, 
it's time to find a new one. Yeah. This is kind of a side note, but my therapist is like, we do it over Zoom. She lives in a tiny house and she has these like wool sweaters. And and I find myself more and more, I'm talking to her about being a creator and I'm talking about TikTok and these celebrity things. She's like, oh, like, yeah, that person. Cool. Great. I have no idea who that after the session, she's like, who is Olivia Munn? And yeah, I'm like, so then the Kardashians. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, bless you for really doing your best to try to understand what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> but she's, oh but God, she's great. Yeah. Love her. Um, but so, um, it's been this full trajectory and it's so cool that you've stuck with it and been in the public eye for 10 years, like all these developmental years. I want to go back to this concept of influence. So people, people hate influencers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they hate that, that term. That's what I'm kind of finding is in a lot of this influencer takedown in the whole world of people perceiving influencers and what their thoughts are on it. A lot of it seems to also just be tied up in the misogyny that makes its way into everything. And we have been talking a lot about problematic times for influencers and troubling things that people have promoted in diet culture and all that. But how much of it also do you think is tied up in the fact that people just are very critical of female-led industries? Yeah. So I think firstly, like influencer, the industry has not been taken seriously because it's dominated by women. And if this was a male ran industry, it would have been legitimized. It would have been, there would have been more guidelines sooner. There would have been systems put in place. I think that's really true. And then I think about, I think, I think accountability goes both ways and we create influencers. Influencers are a byproduct of society and they are what we are putting onto these people, these women and the expectations that we have of them. So it's another mold that we are creating for women to have to live up to. Therefore, who, I don't want to use the word blame, but who's responsible? Both parties. We as society are responsible for creating the mold that influencers are aspiring to. And influencers are accountable for their actions when they do and say shitty things and act irresponsibly and cause harm. And I think, you know, I always, I know Kardashians, when we think of influencers, we don't necessarily think, you know, we think of Instagram influencers, but the Kardashians are the first and realist, I guess Paris Hilton was the first influencer, but they embody what we have created and what we want. So when they do problematic things, like, you know, that's a result of what, again, both parties need to be held accountable. So I think, I think we're the disconnect is with the industry is that we consume influencers like products but have expect them to be like people that's what it is we want to consume them as if they were a television show that we're watching as if they were fucking pringles in a can whatever the fuck we're consuming but then when they misstep we expect them to be like every other person and be better but what we know we've talked about a capitalism like that's what it that That is the root of this issue with, you know, patriarchy and just human nature. Yeah. I think is it's just this like ticking time bomb of there's going to be a reckoning. I think that 
pandemic brought up a lot of that because truthfully, I do not. There's two influencers that I regularly check their content on and you are one of them. Like I, cause I'm just like fascinating on what you talk about. Like I'm eating it all up. I love it because to me, it's like your, your stuff is educational because I think I need to stay up to date with what's happening in the culture and that you're who I go to for that. And there's like one fitness style influencer that I'm like, she has the exact same style as me. So I'll watch her stuff. That's so, so that's yeah. so, it's so kind of you. And it's a real honor, truly. And it's, so it's interesting that you're putting this label on me. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about in, in terms of all this controversy. So w- what am I, you know, I, I, you're an educator. Well, no, you're not no, no, an influencer. I, you're an educator. I, I don't even have a problem with that. I mean, up until about a month ago, I was actually working a, a nine to five for, uh, you know, in, in just a regular old office job. And now I'm kind of stringing together a bunch of freelancey things and I'm doing the Patreon and, and, and all that. But I, I, on a flight recently on the way back from the airport, he was like, what do you do for a living? And I panicked. I was like, <gasps> and I think I said digital content creator. And he was like, what? And I'm like, it's, I make videos on the internet, but I'm not really paid for that. But I, uh, and I was just, <laughs> I was like, I had this existential moment of like, what do I actually do for a living? I'm not bothered by the term influencer. It doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation to me. But when I was talking to the people on my account about this, they were like, oh no, you're, you're a content creator or no, actually influencers are people that are selfish and, and they just do content for them. And rather than making things for other people. And I'm like, well, I am, I'm trying to sell out here, but I have not <laughs> been given the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> like yeah like in that, oh, wait, when I think well, I, I, oh sorry I mean I will I will I say I jokingly say I want to sell it but I wouldn't work for a company that I, I don't align with their values but I am trying to pay my bills out here and I and and I love making content but also it, it's more than a, a full-time job and so I need to make ends meet so what does that make me <laughs> yeah like I think there. well firstly if you are consuming influencers and you get mad when they do paid posts, get fucking real. Honestly, come on. You are consuming them for free. Everyone's got bills to pay and there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing what you got to do to pay them. Of course, make sure that it is an aligned partnership. Make sure that there's disclosure. I think there's like, just like with any industry, there's the few people that give the bad reputation to everyone. So when influencers are not disclosing, when things are in, like are paid, that's an issue. When influencers are promoting harmful products, that's an issue. When they are taking every brand that comes their way because they are, you know, uh, paid by the man, whatever. But I also think we have to recognize that influencers are walking advertisements as well. Like there's the split in the industry. When I think about it, I think there are, I would say there's almost like many buckets. I think what we think influencers are, to me, that is like, a walking advertisement where they are a billboard that is available to purchase. Like that is, and I think that's like the traditional like mom influencer and they have a time and place, but what they're selling just like ads do is they're spelling, they're selling aspiration and they're selling an aspirational lifestyle and they're, you know, they exist. I think the true when we think about actually what the word influencer means, I think there are truly inspirational people that are inspiring people to do better, to be their best selves, to be passionate about whatever they're passionate about. Yeah. I think there's that bucket. So yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, I let it all hang out there. I'm very much, very much myself in an unfiltered way 
on the pod, in my videos and everything. And I, I actually just joined the Four Sigmatic affiliate program. Four Sigmatic is this company they make um, medicinal mm-hmm. mushroom products that- Oh, I know you love them. I know that already. I know that you truly love that product. So I'm like, good for you. Girl. Yeah, because I used it for years and it genuinely helps me. And I have a series that I've started of celebrities as mushrooms. I'm super passionate about mycology. So for me, I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. And people will know that it's not bullshit. Yeah. Like, and that's what it is. It's just, it's a brand new profession. And yeah, like I, I also, I always just come back. Yeah. When people are mad about creators doing sponsored posts, I'm just like, I love that. I love that for them. I love it. Even yeah. Like again, if that, unless it's a skinny tea, unless it's a product that actively causes harm. If it's a skinny tea, if it's a skinny tea, I unfollow, but if it's anything else, I'm like commenting, I click copy link if it's on TikTok. So it looks like it's been sent out. I'm like, yes, get that money. Exactly that. If you are following an influencer and you like them and you see that they do a sponsored post, like comment, share, send it to yourself. Like that's how you can support influencers because you get to consume them for so someone else has got to pay for this. It's a two-sided marketplace, babe. Come on. I feel like this was like therapy for me. This was <laughs> this was so much fun. I'm just like, let's keep on chatting. You know? I'm like, girl, we're like best friends now. I know. I know. Seriously. I wish we were closer together. It's funny because people, <laughs> it's hard for people not from Canada to understand just how big Canada is. How expensive it, it is be, to travel between. It would be, I think, a five-hour flight from me to you. Yeah. And then it would be like, and that would be like a $1,200 flight. Like. Yep. 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 And that's same country. So, uh, crazy. So I wish we were a little closer by and we've talked about your handle a bit, but tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me at Sophie gray, gray with an a across all social media channels, particularly on Instagram and Twitter is actually where I hang out the most. And then you can find dive through. So like drive through, but without the R at let's dive through across socials and dive through.com and in the app store. Yes. And all of that will be in the, uh, the episode description. Just download dive through guys. Just okay. It's free. I'm influencing you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Sophie. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. I appreciate you all being here. Au revoir, mes amours.